0: Go ahead and cue up a drum roll because the Maybird Cycling Podcast has a new sponsor, and it is <laughs> me. Bet you didn't see that coming. Uh, buckle up; it's time for some shameless self-promotion. Uh, I'm probably saved in your phone right now as Joe Draper, parentheses bike guy. Uh, you can go ahead and add a second set of parentheses and put insurance guy. I just started with American family. We do home auto life commercial, all the good stuff there. So I know a lot of you are used to coming to me uh, with bike questions when you want to know what tires you should be running or, uh, what kind of chain you need, uh, moving forward. If you have any questions about, uh, your car insurance or home insurance, or if you want to look at life insurance, anything like that, I'm your guy for that too. So you can reach me at 801-671-5412. Love to hear from you folks. Uh, back to the podcast. Well, I feel like we're really in the slog part of winter now. Um, Christmas is over. We've had our beginning of the year meeting. The snow's fallen. The past couple of days have been really wet and cold and like, I don't know, my motivations kind of, I think this is where a lot of people kind of start to get to like motivation trouble a little bit, you know, like winter's kind of, I don't know. We're kind of like the halfway point, huh?
1: Yeah, or you see people that have gone to St. George, and you're just super jealous of them. And oh so, my gosh, yeah.
0: I haven't been able to go to St. George since states.
1: Yeah, I haven't and been that's at all this winter. Me.
0: Like that's, I think this is the the least I've gone to St. George in a long, long time.
1: Yeah, but we've still been doing some fun stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah the, so. I'll tell you what, the Swift groups, like before we even get into any business or anything, we'll have another one this week. People outside of Maybird are obviously welcome to cut like. The bigger those groups are, the more fun. And we had like the Alp to Zwift kind of thing last week that was super, super fun. We got to watch, we got to watch uh, Miles and Xander go at it, and it was just, it was super fun.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't had fun Zwifting in the past, this is so much better than just Zwifting by yourself. If you
0: haven't had fun Zwifting, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like. You must not remember what it was like before Zwift. I think it, I think people who like, because I didn't even. I had like two winners pre-Zwift, and you know, like, I think all these spoiled young kids don't know how good they have it. You know, like, if your board with Zwift, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's as good as it gets without riding a bike outside. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely come Wednesday, 6 p.m. If you need help, like, setting it up, uh, you know, let us know. Like, you can do Zwift with as little as just a speed sensor. So, okay. super, super cool. And, you know, I'm I'm thinking hopefully we have
1: some new listeners today, some people that have recently joined with Maybird that are listening. So if if there are new listeners, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. You know, um, this podcast, I mean, really everyone on the team should be listening. It's, it's really how we communicate what we want with the team. And
0: it's like um, the most significant arm of our sort of educational apparatus on the team.
1: Yeah. So so people that aren't doing it are really, really missing out on a lot of stuff, you know, and, and, and like, like, how we usually do it is, at first, we kind of like, a lot of announcements and business, and Joe will go over some tech stuff, or... Um, and like, then the,
0: bike world news, which isn't really happening right now. Yeah, you know?
1: and then the second half, I'll do, I'll just... We usually do kind of a deep dive about, like, training, or, or mental toughness, or just a bunch of different topics that mm-hmm. we think are really valuable to help us become... I want to say as a reminder
0: to the people who have been listening and as an announcement to the people who are new, this podcast is interactive. And like, I think for the past month or two, we haven't had as many. And I think it's just the time of year. We haven't had as many like questions and stuff or people like, hey, you know, could you talk about this? Or like, like this is interactive. Uh, Dan and I are easy to reach. The Maybird Instagram is easy to reach. Like just throw us out. If you want to hear us talk about something, if you have a question, if you want to hear us debate something, give it to us like we we my
1: cell phone number is 801-368-6193 if you have any questions or or suggestions for topics we could go over let us know this
0: is an interactive thing so yeah
1: so yeah registration is underway it started out a little slow it it has picked up um, still down a little bit from last year but that's okay because i think the the quality of our ridership. I'm really excited about it. We've got a lot of good riders that have joined a lot of good ones that have stayed. We're really, but, but one thing I think super cool is that, um, well, let me back up a little bit. One, when, when we first started Maybird, I think we had like about like our first season, I think we probably had about 16 boys and like two girls. Yeah. And one of the two girls challenged me that one day that Maybird needed to have as many girls as boys. And this year we we're kind of knocking on that door we were a little very,
0: bit. very, very close. I think
1: last I counted, we only have about 12 more boys than we do girl riders this yeah. year, female riders. So it's, it's almost a perfectly even 50, 50 split. There's is...
0: still time to close the gap. If, if you, uh, you know, if, if you listen to this and you've got friends who aren't on Maybird, ask them why not? Because they should be this is this is like I feel comfortable saying this is hands down the best team for girls that you oh, can yeah. enjoy like our girls program rocks, we have some amazing amazing coaches uh,
1: absolutely and, and I give them the credit for that um, it, it is interesting reading people's applications. Um, it really seems like boys like the guys and gals join the team for a totally different reason like you'll reason, you'll read the reason that one of the guys wants to join Maber and they're like you know, so I can get pushed and I can get faster. And, and the, the girls, they just want to ride with other girls. And just this social aspect is so important for them.
0: I've been coaching for a long time. Um, and, of course, there are outliers and exceptions to this rule. The maturity gap between boys and girls, especially at the age that we're working with, is shocking. It is so, so funny to watch how girls' groups ride and operate, how cohesive they are, and how, like, chaotic and competitive. Yeah, the
1: girls' groups are so much.
0: It seems like guys burn out Uh, way faster than girls in a lot of cases and stuff. It's it's just interesting to see. And I I love, like, I love that this is a sport that's, you know, like where we can be close to parity. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah,
1: it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, our girl groups are just awesome, and that's something I'm really – proud of so yeah
0: but that we have but, like nothing to do with those coaches that are doing like they they deserve all the credit so yeah. thank, thank you to, um, to all those
1: but yeah we're, we're gonna like this weekend I, th- I think I think this weekend we will probably turn off the link to the to registration so if you haven't registered yet please hurry and do so if people want to register after we, we shut it down they would just have to reach out to me directly, and I can see if there's a good spot or not for them.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that this is true of anybody listening to this, but like, if you're planning on registering and you haven't, like, click pause, go do it. It'll take five minutes to fill out the thing, um, you know. And if you have anybody who's like on the fence, just do it now, you know. Like Dan said, we're gonna, we're, it's you can still join Maybird. You can reach out to us, and we'll kind of go on a case by case basis. But like, we're we're kind of to the point where we really need to close it off. We need to get this first kit order in. You know, if we want to have kits for like the first eye cups and stuff like that's got to get rolling. So
1: and if you have an order to kit, hurry and do that, the, I think the team store probably closes like Wednesday, I'm thinking. Um, hurry and, and place your kit order if you haven't done so yet for those. And we've had a few. Again, I'm just so grateful for those who have stepped up to, to help sponsor this team. Just give a little extra from, you know, their their business advertising dollars to help out. What we think is a good cause, but, um,
0: I'd like to think so. I don't know.
1: (laughs) But if, if you haven't got the code for me for the team store yet, reach out to me and I'll send that to you. Um, if you've already bought your kits and, and didn't get your free pro kit or the value of it, let me know and I can just, um, Venmo you back. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So again, like if you're interested in sponsoring the team, it's a thousand bucks, and that gets you on one of the kits. Your logo on one of the kits. It covers one team fee, registration fee, and then in the team store you get a code that's good for the value of a pro team kit towards your purchase. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I think.
0: Oh, really quick, the kits this year are really good. Like all of our kits are good, of course, but like I think we've had. Good years and then really good years. This is a really good kit year. This kit's sick.
1: Like I think we had one year that was kind of bad, and that was the year that I tried to design the kit. You know. And I like it 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 looked good in my head, but the kits didn't actually turn out very good. But Yeah.
0: Andrew Andrew knocked it out of the park this year. I think they're really cool. Yeah, I think they'll I'm look ex- even better in person too. So I'm, I'm super, super excited, excited about yeah. them. The coach's kit, do we have we have we nailed that down yet?
1: It's close. The coaches kit's gonna look good. It
0: looks and for cool. those that
1: are the, for those that are interested in coaching again, um, we might as far as a coach's kit, we might only do a coach's jersey this year, just depending on our budget. That's probably our it's probably our biggest chunk of our budget and actually yeah. Um, yeah, so but we'll see. I'll have to we'll have to crunch some numbers and see what we can do. But um yeah, but the the group and coaching assignments, I'm working on those. They're laying out pretty nicely. I'm hoping to have those done sometime next week. And so, you'll get like a basically in your team snap everyone so far that's joined the team has been invited to team snap. This week I will those that didn't that didn't send in a registration form this year. I'm I'm going to clean up. I'm going to move those out of the Maybird team for now. And um <clears throat> you should like within your team snap, you should be able to toggle between different teams. You'll notice the Maber team. And then shortly you'll notice which other group you're specifically assigned to, but we'll go over that more in detail next week. When we do, we're going to next week, we're going to do like a
0: kind kind of of a mandatory listen season intro. We kind of want to have um, teams nailed down um, before we do that. So that'll hopefully be next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll plan on that next week. So,
0: but yeah, so housekeeping wise, uh, I just, uh, running group tomorrow, same time. Um, I'm really bummed. I haven't work's been tricky for me this year. I haven't been able to make the running groups, but those are excellent. And then of course, Zwift, like we're not getting nearly enough people coming to these Zwift things. We're only getting like 20 or 30. I want like 50, I want a hundred people in these Zwift groups. We have plenty. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of people have Zwift, you know, we do them at, like Wednesday at six. You shouldn't have, who's got stuff going on Wednesday at six, you know? Um, so definitely, uh, definitely come to those. But other than that, I think we're good. And, I mean, anything else? Did you jump into that? I'm uh, sure.
1: We, I always forget things, and then I think about it after. That's
0: yeah, fine. So. Um, this is an interesting topic today. This is kind of fun. Um, a lot of our topics kind of swing, like, really science and stuff, and those are great. I think these ones are kind of fun, where we kind of go a little broader and sort of talk, you know, like, you know, especially to the kind of new, maybe some newer people. If you haven't ever done, like, a really serious season before, and you're ready for this to be, like, a serious thing for you, um, this is really exciting.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting topic. And first of all, I want to give a disclaimer, and I kind of want to use this disclaimer more frequently. Um, a lot of like the deep dive portion of our podcast, I would say more applies to kids that are like sophomores and above. Yes. You know, like like really a seventh grader junior diva writer really doesn't have to worry about polarizing or periodization or, yeah. you know, I, like, like a seventh grade, like a middle school athlete really
0: shouldn't be doing intervals even really, you know, no, like, you should be riding a lot and having fun and learning good skills Like yeah, I think and the doing function, lots of
1: other sports and just having fun with your friends and all your writing should be focused on two things like getting better at riding your bike and having fun doing it. And the thing is, as you do those two things, you're naturally going to get better and do more of it. And the more, the better you get out, the more you're going to ride, the more you ride, the more fun you have. So just if you're a, you know, if you're a, a junior Devo athlete, it's not complicated. Just go ride no. your bike, have fun, Parents, have fun don't with be, your friend.
0: Don't be shoveling the pressure on your 11 year old, you know, hang on a couple years. I know you're so, excited, but yeah.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, so just want to throw that out there. I, need, I th- probably need to throw that out there more often so we don't need 13-year-olds doing VO2 max intervals. So.
0: Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah.
1: Y- you know, and um, so, yeah, today we're talking just about season planning. And I think in the past I've probably done podcasts similar to this. Where it comes
0: up. We talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we talk we it, about a lot. We've an actual episode on this. But,
1: yeah, I kind of want to do a whole episode on I'm basically – how I plan, how I would plan a season. And, you know, first, and I say this all the time, but really there are just so many different ways to get fast. There, anyone that claims they've got the one right, best way is an
0: idiot trying to sell you something? Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's there's lots of different ways to come to get fast, and most of that really just depends on you as an individual and what you're willing to do. Um, but, but I think like most of us listening probably still fall in that category. Like, like you always talk about newbie gains or beginner gains, or you know, and that's basically kind of like anything no matter what you do you're going to get better and then once you start doing it a while you kind of get to a point where
0: yeah like your first season or two you can do no wrong yeah the like, more you ride the better like
1: and honestly i think more of us still fall into that category than we think i think you know i think most people probably listening to this like if they go from like five hours to ten hours a week they're no matter what kind of riding they do they'll get better yeah and if they go from 10 to 15, you know, as long as they're getting their rest and eating their vegetables and sleeping and all that stuff, they're going to get better. So, and I want
0: to throw out, too, that, like, I, the, the number of years that you've participated in cycling, I don't, it's like, for a lot of the adults listening, it's like, oh, oh, I've been riding since the 90s. Like, if you've been riding three or four times a year since the 90s, you're still a beginner. You know, you might have some skills and stuff, but, like, training-wise, like, if you are, you know, if you're, if you're looking down the barrel of doing this kind of seriously for the first time you're going to see those beginner gains, I think.
1: Yeah. Know. Or if you're the type that kind of like takes the winter off
0: yeah, and yeah. you start
1: out in the spring, you're, you're dealing with beginner gains there too. You yeah. Know? But, um, but yeah, so there's, there's lots of ways to get fast and usually that involves just being more consistent and writing more, but yeah. there, you know, there's also some other things that kind of, once you get to a certain point, getting, you know, it's easy to plateau after a certain point if you're just doing it from just writing, you know. And that's where, that's where a lot of this stuff can be beneficial, kind of once you get to that stage. But I, I think fewer of us are that to that point, really, than we might think. So
0: yeah, most of us are beginners. Yeah, if, if you're not, you'll know.
1: So, anyhow, like, um, again, so many different ways to get fast. Like, you guys have heard of Truman Glasgow, right? Yes. Like, just. Like I wish, hopefully in the next life, I'm that cool. You know, he just cool guy, but I was listening to him. uh, He was, he was on a podcast, getting interviewed on a podcast and he was talking about how he trains and he, his training method he claims is basically, he thinks of a KOM he wants to go hunt and then he'll go get it. And basically that's how he trains and he hired a coach for a little while, and it just didn't go well. He hated it. And and his whole training philosophy mm-hmm. is he goes out and gets mm-hmm. KOMs, which is kind of contrary to, like, everything any podcast about training or any article about training would say. But apparently it's working pretty well for, for him, you know. And so, so yeah, just just so many different ways to get fast, and some things work great for one person and not as well for another person. You know, It's a very re- – It's such an individual sport, you know, but, um, so a kind of time tested philosophy and training that that's just kind of a good general guiding principle for most people. And I think especially cross country racers is that in general, the closer you get to your event, the more specific your training needs to become. And the farther away you are from your event, the less specific it needs to be, you know? So like the closer you get to your, your most important, the race, the more your training in general is supposed to look like that race, you know? And that's, that's kind of just summing up periodization in a nutshell. And I I think as long as you kind of keep that basic guiding principle in mind, um, you can somewhat train on the fly a little bit and still be okay. Um, what would kind of violate that is if you're doing like, like VO two max intervals right now in the winter on your bike, when there's probably not even a race on your calendar yet, you know, that's not really a good idea, you know, like,
0: well, it's interesting that point that you made that like the, the farther away you are from your event, how things kind of look similar. Like if you took like Nino Schurter and Julian Alphilippe and like, I don't know, uh, Ellie is a bit or something like three guys from three total, you know, we got the road guy, mountain guy and a cross guy in the winter or in their off season, they'll kind of be doing the same thing. They'll be in Spain somewhere doing big, long rides. But then the closer they get to the World Cup or to the classic that they're targeting or to, you know, uh, the Cross Cup or whatever, like... They're going to be doing things that are more like Nina's going to be focusing on the 90-minute mountain bike effort, and Izerbitt's going to be focusing on the 55-60-minute cross effort, and Al Philippe's still going to be doing like you know six-hour races and stuff. So his thing's going to look different. But in the winter, um, or in their off season at least, it really does look similar. It's putting in a lot of volume and stuff, right? A lot of
1: volume and even like a lot of variety too, and, yeah. and so forth, and like
0: like skiing. You know, you see yeah, like there's everybody skis in the bike world too. It seems like. Um, yeah, no, that is an interesting point. I hadn't really thought of that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But um, first of all, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, like, coaching and training plans. And, you know, and these are things that if, if it's something that if you're interested in, Maybird does have some tools that can help you with this type of stuff. It's really not for
0: everybody. But it is for some people. But it is for some certain people. certain personalities really thrive on, like, yeah. Do this this day and then do this the other days. So I, I think like maybe some of the type A personalities like that. Other people, uh,
1: other it people really doesn't yeah, like yeah, like other people like just I think understanding some basic training principles and kind of understanding that general general concept that you know your training gets more specific as you get closer to your target event, and you know as long as you kind of understand some basic principles, you can kind of make good judgment calls as you go. And I've seen kids do well doing that. Uh, other kids are the type that really like to kind of follow a plan. And um, I personally, for myself, I kind of do kind of a combination. I, you know, I kind of have, I kind of have like certain see like times a year where I know I'm supposed to be doing certain types of workouts, but I make those up day to day as I go, you know, but um
0: I have a question for you really quick. Yeah. Um if if somebody's listening to this, do you think that to be the best you can be in the sport that you eventually need to have an individual relationship with a coach that you're paying to follow your training specifically and prescribe different things for you specifically?
1: In most cases, and well yeah, in most cases I th- I think you would eventually get to a point. Well, are we uh, talking know,
0: like the World Cup point?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, but like, I think to be a successful Niker rider... To no. be a
0: successful, like, it's, pro I-Cup rider, do you think you need that? No. Because I'm, I'm thinking most of those guys I don't think have. No,
1: no, but... Like, if you uh, want this
0: to be your job,
1: But, yeah, I, I, I would, I mean, like, most, pretty much all the World Tour riders and all the World Cup riders are, are going to have things pretty well planned out, and they're going to have a pretty close relationship with the A-Coach. You, know, but you can
0: kind of get 95% of the juice out of the orange and then maybe if, if it's your job and you need that last 5% a professional yeah. that you pay.
1: But, you know, but the thing is, is like for some people it can be a huge benefit. Like, like, so, so let's talk, we'll, we'll talk about plans first. Um, training plans, like there are like online and through training peaks and, you know, there's people that are, there's thousands of different plans, People are willing to sell you, you know. And it's like, how do you know that you're picking the exact one that's better than all the rest?
0: Yeah, no, that is interesting, yeah. you know. And because everybody will kind of say, and I get that they have to sell their product that like theirs is special and they've got this secret sauce that no one else does. And um, I think it's interesting how, like, you know, what I wonder, I wonder if you just went to Chat GPT.
1: Like the, it, yeah, could and you,
0: it could probably write you a pretty fine training plan. It, th- and they
1: they do. People have done that. In fact, AI is kind of the next big thing. Isn't
0: road going big on AI for training plans and stuff? They are,
1: but lots of people have like AI training formats and so forth. And, um, you know, which probably is going to be a good thing, I think. You yeah, know, I wouldn't because um, I don't think that writing a training plan is the most important part of coaching, you know? No, And, and so, but yeah, so there's, there's probably thousands of different training plans out there, but my thing is, is like, there's probably a lot of them that would actually work well for you. Um, you know, but the thing I've, the thing I've observed with training plans is sometimes it really, really helps kids. I've actually seen it kind of suck some of the fun out of it for kids. Oh yeah. I, I, it really just kind of depends on the individual and um, I've seen
0: people before where it's like, I have to follow it so closely and I'm never going to ride with people or with a group because I can't follow what the training plan says I should do exactly. You know? And, and like that I think is
1: ridiculous. Really? I don't think, I, I think for like, like my opinion on training plans is if you're following one that you trust and you know has done well for you in the past or whatever, I would say try to stick to it about 80 or 90%. Mm-hmm. And the other 10%, I would say, would probably be like if you're not feeling good, you leave something out.
0: Because they are kind of copy paste, sort of arbitrary. You know, it's not like the training plan is going to know exactly, you know, the training plan that you get from a coach today is not going to know exactly what your body needs on, you know, August 3rd. You know, like, it's, it is like, like it is, it is, it is a good idea. It's like, this yeah. is probably kind I like, of what you, should I like to
1: call them frameworks sure. and, and you need to kind of, you or your coach need to kind of be the judge every day of whether or not what happens to be on your plan is the best thing for that it, day. Or
0: it's not. hard to make decisions, but it comes down to having good discernment. And it's nice to kind of like cast that off and say like, Oh, this thing will decide for me. But the fact of the matter is like you, as much as it sucks, you just kind of have to use your brain. You know you can't you can't like you know offshore the responsibility to make good decisions for your training to some arbitrary plan that was copy pasted yeah. like
1: and then the other thing I would say about training plans and I don't know how I'm gonna say this very well so you might have to say it better for me after I say okay it, is it's not really the plan that's what's important it's how it's the effort you put into it yeah does that make sense you know yeah and, and I think a lot of times what plans do for people, is it might take someone that's only writing twice a week. And once they kind of start following a plan, it gets them to start writing four times a week. Bingo. You know, but I would say that by far the most important thing that a plan does for people is it forces you to get some recovery in sometimes before you think you need it.
0: Yeah, no, that is true. Especially I think for, for, for young kids who are super eager And haven't had the experience of like burnout yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because really like regular, I said that really weird,
0: regular, regular, (laughs) regular,
1: like regularly planned rest. Even if you think you don't need it sometimes is the antidote for overtraining and burnout. Like if, if you're planning regular rest, that's the appropriate amount of size. Like if it's too long, it's bad. Yeah. But if, if it's the, the right amount of size, right, right duration of recovery, interspersed, even when you think you might not need it, that really is kind of the antidote to overtraining and burnout.
0: Or it's so. kind of like the, like the prophylactic preventive measure that you take, you know, because you can, I, I feel like we can usually attribute the kind of burnout cases we see to like, you know, obviously I think stress is a big one but then just like like too much riding not enough uh, not enough rest you know cuz everyone and the thing is it's like this sport i think at the high end too at the really competitive end attracts a certain personality and it's a certain and it's a personality of people who even if they're nice enough to not like say it out loud who think they're superman and they think they're they're special and they're the one – you know it's like you're and you know like i've said this before like you're probably wrong mm-hmm. and you'll probably you know go if fall into this bucket of people who just, you know, swung at it too hard too many times and then it stopped being fun and it sucks and they don't do it anymore. So,
1: yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully you're either kind of like planning something out for yourself, following a plan, whatever, however you decide to do it. But hopefully what it helps you do is it helps you to get the right amount of volume, distribute your intensity and take care of yourself. And if you're doing those three things, whether you're, whether it's, you're, day by day, fly by the seat of your plant pants plan, or if you're following a plan or whatever, hopefully it helps you do those three things better, and then it'll be a success, but, um, so, and then coaching, I know a lot of kids are interested in having coaches, and, um, and so coaching, like, I don't really think, like I've said just a few minutes ago, like, writing out a training plan isn't the most important part of coaching, by far because there's a billion training plans out there and one's probably going to help you you know I mean but coaching I think is so much more and I think the most important role of a coach is one is just someone that you can communicate with you know someone that because a lot of times you know you can be kind of going down a a dumb path and not even realize it you're like, like there's so many times like where I'll be like working really really hard and I'm getting slower. And I just, it's like, I think about training all day, every day, but I can't figure out why I'm getting slower because I'm working so hard. And it's almost like someone from the outside looking in just sees like, uh, you need to take a little break, you know?
0: Well, it's the same reason that like, like, I think therapy is good for some people is that you, it's really hard to be objective about yourself. You know, like you live in your own head and sometimes it's good to get insights from people who don't live in your head about what you're doing. You know, because it's really easy to rationalize things that we, you know, we want to do deep down and decide that that's the best decision just because it's what we want to do, you know. So in the same way that, like, when I go to therapy and tell my therapist something about, like, work or my relationship, the the thing I'm hoping for is, you know, for me to be like, I think you might be thinking about that wrong. When I hear you say that, I kind of think this. And I think there's a lot of value in the kind of coaching, you know, having somebody who doesn't live in your head to tell you if you're on the right track or not. Or if, you know, if you might be like, Whoa, that's crazy. Why on earth would you think that, you know? And if you didn't have somebody on the outside to kind of give you that insight, you might just, like you said, just keep kind of falling down this misguided path you're on.
1: Yeah. And another huge important thing I think about a a good coach would be someone that could motivate you. Yeah. Motivate you, or even sometimes talk you off a cliff or help, you know, just help kind of ease your mind before a big event. I think, you know, I think that's where where coaching becomes really, really important. And I mean, that's not something you necessarily have to hire somebody to do. There's somebody that might be willing to, that you trust that can kind of help you with those things either way. But one thing I will say with coaching is, um, I've seen kids that were doing just fine, getting really good results, hired a coach and things got worse. Yeah. I've seen kids that were doing pretty well, hired a coach and things got a lot better. Yeah. You know, like it really could kind of go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like, I have a few kids that I work with just kind of for fun. And, um, and, you know, I just have this constant fear that like my, my biggest fear would be like doing harm or taking a kid that was doing okay and making them worse, you know? And that's, um, you know, I mean, luckily, I, and honestly, I think the kids that I've worked with were probably like, they've done pretty well, but I think they would have done really well.
0: Kind of regard. Yeah. circumstances. I can't really
1: take any credit for how well they did. I
0: think circumstances are a big driver too. Like kids that have time and resources and a supportive family and stuff are going to do well, you know? And then people where it's like, you know, if you have to go to school and work two jobs, and you can ride two hours a week. There's kind of be going to be a cap on how fast you can be, and hiring a coach isn't going to fix that. You know, so yeah. there's and a lot we, of things to get, but it's definitely in a magic bullet, right? And like I
1: you, do want to just throw this out there. We've got, um, there's three guys on our teams. They're they're all former, blah, blah. they're all former Nike riders that have done competed really, really competitively oh, nationally. Yeah, yeah. and um, know their stuff that. Are helping coach kids kind of more on an individual basis for really really reasonable rates. Oh yeah, um, you know they'll like, be
0: charging more in a few years. Jump yeah, on the bandwagon yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, they're just
1: kind of trying to get a, like a, get trying the, to get established right yeah. now. Um, but I was looking like as I was going through a registration, I was looking at a lot of these kids from Corner Canyon, and I was kind of surprised at their Nike results. And kyson has been coaching them.
0: Kyson Montague. Yeah, one. and
1: I, I believe he's getting he's working on an exercise physiology degree or something. So, Kaisen's so legit. yeah, so he's, he'd be a good Gabe Norda. I just think the word world of him, he's almost just the ideal role model for so many of these kids. Um, he's working with quite a few kids and Xander Lyman. Yeah. Has a really cool approach where, you know, some of the kids he's works with, he likes to actually like, you know, he'll coach them, but also kind of ride with them and help them skill wise, you know? So
0: um, I gotta throw out like Xander's been one of my um, one of my guys has been coaching with me with my boys and he is like all three of those guys are excellent Yeah, you know I have a lot of good things to say about all so, of them
1: yeah, so yeah the, and, and as far as training plans go like every year I write up a, tr- a training plan for Maybird that I share and I only have a few kids that ever use it mm-hmm. and But those that take advantage of it do pretty well with it.
0: Because I think there are some people who just need that bit of structure where it's like, okay, I have a a rough idea of what I need to be doing this time of year. And if I'm like, oh, you know, like I need a hard ride today, this is one I can go do. That's like, but you're, and like you said, they're really pretty simple. It's not, because I've seen before like people have like a sticky note on their top tube with like 45 seconds at this, followed by this much rest, followed by, you know, like I think that's totally detached from the way we all ride bikes.
1: In fact, I always say it like mine are so ridiculously simple. I would feel bad charging somebody for it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they're not
0: going to send anyone to the Olympics, um, but they're, they're good enough for you.
1: Yeah. I I feel pretty, (laughs) pretty good about some of the results kids have had from, yeah, from falling. it's just something we, we do. And, you know, there's only a small handful of kids that really take advantage of it, but maybe it's because they didn't realize
0: it's an offering. So, yeah, something um, to think
1: about. Yeah, so that'll be coming out soon, but um, so let's. Uh, I was just going to talk about how I kind of plan a season, and hopefully make it as simple as possible. And we're going to kind of be reviewing like a lot of things we've we've talked about in the past, and just kind of touch really lightly on things, not really go too in depth on things. So, um, but I've got these into steps. I've got steps one through. Six or seven, six. Okay. Steps one through six. So the, f- the first step I put down is have a good winter. Yep. I, and I think the last couple months worth of podcasts, I think we've mentioned winter training and everyone, um, winter training is just, it's just essential to having a good season. And by, by winter training, I don't mean like being in your basement, riding on Zwift, six days a week or bundling up in $500 worth of yeah. gear and riding in slush, destroying
0: your bike into salty slush. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: winter training can look like whatever you want it to look like. There's yep. so many different,
0: um, schema, hiking, running, uh, swimming, you know, yeah. like
1: just, you know, like, I say it all the time. Just do something every day that makes you a better athlete. You know, like
0: what works for you might not work for someone else. Yeah. Make sure
1: it's aerobic. Make sure there's some strength training. Make sure you're doing some PT, you know, taking care of your body. Um, Like yesterday, Joe and I and Andrew, we went and did a really steep hike. And I think steep hiking is probably one of the cheapest, best, ways it transfers really, really well to the bike that doesn't cost a dime, that everyone everyone that's listening to this lives close enough to a mountain. Yep. They could go walk up and... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but just just have some variety. It's a nice break from what you're doing the rest of the year when the snow's melted. Um, but truly, it's probably one of the biggest things that's going to separate the...
0: The, the, okays the okay for from from the kids them. who really get good at this yeah
1: yeah So okay, so that's step one. So step two, this is kind of a fun one is just is just kind of thinking about like what are your goals like what yeah. like when during the season do you want to be your best basically? Yeah because you can't really be you can't really be your best the entire season long.
0: No, and actually, can I take can I take this one a little sure, bit because this for is it. something I really struggled with. Was like the season here in Utah, or the season that you can do in the Western United States is is pretty long. Like you can start racing at a really high level as soon as what, like February, down mm-hmm. in LA, and that you can continue racing pretty seriously until the end of cross, which is like December. You know, so like if you were to go and do every single race that's on offer to you, you could be racing, you know, f- you know, thirty percent of the time you're on the bike. Um, and I, I kind of struggled in, in high school a little bit because I wanted to be, I knew how good I could be and I was frustrated that I wasn't that good all the time. You know, that I'd want to show up to Red Rock you know, the first I-Cup and crush it and then I'd also want to be crushing it in the middle of the season at Nationals and then I'd also want to be crushing it at the end of the season at NICA. You know, and then like, you, you really do kind of have to pick and choose when you're going to be the best because it like, you know, and this is something that like, you it's not even like, unless you're a pro, you've got to like, even the pros do this. You know, like I saw an interview with Wat Van Aert because he's getting trashed by Vanderpool in the cross circuit right now, where his coach was like, "He was like, yeah, we've chosen the classics over cross, so he's going to get beaten at cross because he's focusing on the classics in a few months, and you can't have both." You know, so if if you're really invested in like performances, you kind of have to pick a few and then strategically decide how your season's going to look because you cannot be your best at every single race.
1: Yeah, and I think kind of what happens for most people is, you know, you kind of like. You know, once you're kind of done with your winter training or whatever you do during the winter to stay aerobically fit, you kind of get on the bike in the spring and you start off a little bit slow. You feel a little bit sluggish at first. It takes a month or
0: you kind of blow out the cobwebs a little bit. Yeah,
1: you know, and then you start feeling pretty good. And you know, you, throughout like a lot of the season, you feel. I mean, you, you have ups and downs, but for the most part, you feel pretty good. And then all of a sudden you have these two or three weeks where you just feel awesome and yeah. you're just like, you just can dance do...
0: on the pedals everywhere you go. Yeah. Nothing's hard. Every single ride is PRS PRS you're getting trophies when you weren't trying for them. Like,
1: which is really a hard time to stop. Yeah. You know, like, but once you kind of reach that point, that's really where you're kind of like, you, you know, you're kind of reaching your peak. And then if you push too far beyond that, like the next steps over training, yeah. And it's really hard to stop when you're just being awesome, you know. And Yeah. And but that's that's when you, you know, when you kind of reach that point, you have to stop, take a little break, lose a little bit of fitness, slow down a little bit, and you kind of repeat that process a little bit, you know, or you you know, blow out some cobwebs, you start feeling better, and then hopefully you can do that again at another point in the season, you know? Cause like
0: a lot of people unintentionally peak for nothing. And I've, I've done this a lot where like my writing has been dictated by circumstance. Like I write as much as I can for any given period of time. And I'll have those weeks where I feel amazing and the numbers are really good. And I, it's, I don't have a race, you know, in the races I do want to do, it always seems like I'm never at my best, but that if you're curious, if you want some insight into the world of professional cycling, that is one of the functions of a really good high end coach is that they'll take these professional athletes and say, for the sake of your career, you need to be really good at this state, this state and this state. You will be living here through this part of the year. You'll be living here through this part of the year. This is what the weather's like here. You know that they can plan out really really carefully like the logistics that go into you being able to do a huge amount of base training so that you can be good for this, right? Cuz you know pros who want to be really good at the classics like a lot of them have to live in a different place certain times of the year so that they can have base, you know, they they need to be 6 hours on the bike and they're from Belgium. You can't do that in January, so you have to go to, you know, Monaco or something. Um, so that's one of the functions of really high-end coaching is figuring out how to make those peaks happen when you need them to. And that's super, super difficult to do.
1: And, yeah, I was going to say that it's it's kind of elusive and almost impossible to really, yeah. really nail it. But hopefully, you know, and a lot of that's just knowing how long certain assets take to develop. Yeah. And, and planning. And that's kind of what we're talking about today is kind of, it's just kind of getting it as
0: close as you can, as close as you can. And,
1: um, it's, I like for me, and we talked about this, like in our peaking and tapering podcast is like, for me, it seems like I'm really good at peaking the week before my main event. And, but we kind of just discovered that that's more something, you know, dealing with psychology rather than physiology. No, but, but I
0: have seen, like, I think it was Tom Pidcock's coach was saying one time when he, like, didn't win a race he was expected to, like, we were a week off on the peak. So it's crazy how close, and I don't know if there's well, really... Well, in peaks, usually
1: usually like though. two or three, couple weeks, you know? Right, but like, I've,
0: I've seen, it's like, you can be very, very precise. Um, but for a lot of us, and you know, if you've ever had that one legendary race, you remember three years ago, where you were unbeatable and you crushed it, you might have just happened to kind of have the stars the aligned stars with your aligned. peak in the event. But it's, it doesn't usually happen that way.
1: But yeah, so, so step two is, the, is like kind of just picking which points in the season you'd like to be your best. And the thing is, if you're doing good training, you're going to be pretty dang good most of the time. Oh, yeah. It's not like you're going to just suck and then all of a sudden have Yeah, you're not going to be
0: good and bad. You're going to be good and great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like, you're going to do just fine at all your other races. But hopefully, if things happen to turn out, and, and like I say, Getting the peak right, like rarely to the day,
0: unless you're paying a forty thousand dollar a year coach, and even they even screw up. You know, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen. It's not an exact science.
1: So, like, so basically, like, what are your goals? Like, sometimes, you know, like, if you're not into racing, which everyone listening
0: probably uh, to some extent, yeah, some more than others, Um,
1: you might be like, your goals might be kind of targeting a weakness, like something that you're not good at, or like a certain. Endurance event or something. But for most people listening, you're, there's probably some races that you're targeting that you'd like to be your best at. No, no. Training Peaks, who's kind of developed most of the um, lingo around training that most coaches use, they, they've kind of distinguished like A, B, and C races.
0: Which I think is a good way to think about
1: I it. I think so too. So, uh, yeah. So C races are races you just don't care about. And the thing I found with like high school athletes... There's no such thing as a race that they, they, don't, they care. don't
0: care about. Yeah. I think maybe a better way to put it is a race that is a, it's a training race. It's a training race. You know, like your result, you like a race where I would say, don't look at your result. Don't exactly. go pull up, don't scan the QR and see where you finished. Just do it and learn from it and go and, you know, like try It shouldn't be a race. I think a race you don't care about implies that you're like, Oh, whatever. Okay. You know, like who cares? You know, like. More just like do your best, but then like you're gonna make tons of mistakes. That's I like
1: fine. I like what you said that for a C race, you can basically define a C race by a race you won't bother checking your result
0: for. Yeah. You know, so you're try, trying you know what? You're trying something out, like you're trying out a new tire, or you're like, I'm gonna really focus on, I'm gonna take this drop line in the race or something. Like, have some emphasis. Or
1: your goal is to kind of just suffer and get really tired, you know? Just yeah, like,
0: yeah. Or just like get, you know what? And like, that's another thing pros do is they'll be like, you know what? This is a trade. I've, I've seen pros say, I needed a bunch of volume, so I did the Giro, which set which is insane. But like, it's pros do this too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should not. If, if you ever hear someone being like, "Oh, this guy sucked at this race," like that means nothing in the world of cycling. You know, like, and I think in mountain biking because we're all used to like Nino Schurter winning every single race. Like, truly, in the world of professional athletics, generally, you can't look at every single thing. You know, you look at the things that they're do, trying, they were to trying to, good to good do good. At. At. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: So B races. Um... Are races that you care about, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I would say that, um, like, I cups might for for a lot of people, I cups yeah. might kind of qualify as a B race. I think for um,
0: you, the high school racers, that's what I cups. I cups are the B yeah. races because for me, well, an I cup I, might be. I
1: no, I would say for for high school races, the I cups and then <coughs> the the like the four races leading up to state. I would say those are all B races. Okay. And you know, for those that are doing like the national races, most of the national races, you know, like Vale Lake or you know, or um, Missoula or whatever, I would consider those B races. And like B races are races that you want to do really, really well. You're going to rest up a few days to go do them. Um, you're going to check your result, but you're not planning your whole season around those it's basically, races.
0: Basically, you're doing everything except giving that race the benefit of a peak of a taper. yeah. You're, you're, or... you're sleeping right the night before you're having things prepped and ready to go. Your bike's washed and everything like these, you should take these ser- you take these seriously, but you, you can, like, you kind of acknowledge that like, you know, my goal for the season really is point to point. So I'm not at my best, but I'm going to do every, you know, like a C race. It's, you know, like it's yeah. not, again, it's not that you don't care. It's just that like, you're not washing your bike the night before. Right. Or thinking about it at school that day.
1: Yeah. And then a races are going to be like Nike state champs or nationals or point to point for No, Dad, how people.
0: many a races can you have?
1: Good question.
0: Cause uh, I think this is, I think people are like, Oh, I've got like eight I, A races this year. I know? know. I
1: think some people treat every race like an a race. So I would say two a races is about the most, most. Yeah. I actually also think it's the least too. I like,
0: yeah. I
1: like having two a, a races a season. Um, you know, for most of the people listening, I think that having two points in the season where you'd like to really kind of shine is, I think, about right. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, and and the, the thing that makes an A race different than a B race is one, the A races are something that you would kind of—that's where your season planning kind of starts, and you work backwards from there. And two, you're going after an A race you're going to have a time where you transition and you take a longer break than normal and you try to lose a little bit of that race fitness. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost good to to lose a little bit of ground to start over a bit yes, after to, to
0: celebrate, day. to have, take some time, Yeah, you know, take a day or two off the bike, maybe even a week, depending on no, what it looked like after an a race. Yeah.
1: No, after an a race, we usually have like a, we'll talk about it. I was going to talk about it in a second, but, that's when you take about a week and a half off, um, maybe two, probably a week and a half, I think is about right, where you actually intentionally lose some fitness and kind of start over. But we'll talk about that in a sec. But, but yeah, so your A races, what, you know, a kind of interesting thing about A, B and C races is I, I've observed a lot of people almost tend to have their best performances on C races,
0: yeah, I think I think we're just like there's less pressure. Yeah, it I think just, a lot of people hijack like kneecap their races by being freaked out about them.
1: Yeah, so um, so that's just kind of a commentary on you know yeah. being mentally per- in the right. State if, if you're of mind like me, so... the
0: best numbers you've ever produced were like on a random Thursday where you're just out riding because there's no pressure, you know. Yeah, yeah. something to consider.
1: Um. So. I, one thing I do want to talk about here real quick is, is like, as far as prioritizing races go, I mean, you can only, you've got to be careful in not over prioritizing too many things. And, you know, I think that while, while I do think it's good to have, to plan in two peaks during a season for most people, um, I think most of the kids listening to this, and I think most kids on Maybird would probably prioritize their their Nike State Champs over Nationals because one you've got a better chance at Nike State Champs to to do something awesome whereas at Nationals you know unless you're like the next Riley Amos you know
0: 30th place at Nationals is, might be as hard as 2nd place at a Nica race i yeah. don't know like
1: and so I do think that like for most kids, you're probably going to be happier with your youth cycling experience if you prioritize your Nika racing over your national racing.
0: You've got your whole life to do races that aren't Nika. You've only got a few years to do Nika, yeah. And I really have a problem with this kind of attitude that I think a lot of people have that like nika's doesn't matter or that like oh Nike, those are the kiddie races what really matters is nationals because if you want to get into that mindset nothing that happens on this hemisphere matters like i think a lot of kids are like oh well, you know i'm i'm, I'm only focused on nationals, so they won't do nika or whatever i'm like i think i think if you really actually believed in that kind of like theory of which bike races matter then go move to europe because like you know chris blevins is great but, and Kate Courtney's great. And those are basically the only two names that have a significant impact in, you know, or maybe, you know, there's, there's civilian there, i there mean, like, there are people, it's a really tiny handful of Americans who are even like on the radar over the pond, like focus on Nika, get over yeah. yourself.
1: But we do, I mean, we do the national races. We go to a few of them, Yeah. but we do it because it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun to travel with friends. It's fun to race in a different place. It's not bad to
0: focus on them. I'm just saying, like, don't think Nike. Don't put, is like.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't put all of your eggs in that
0: basket. Yeah, do Nike. Focus on Nike. Go yeah. try to be state champion. That's awesome. I wish I could do Nike again. Because
1: I have seen a lot of kids that that kind of put too much stock in the national races. Yeah, and they're just cooked by the time they get to Nike. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that we kind of take a you know just I think we kind of take a more balanced approach where. It's fun. We like to do it. It's awesome to see our kids do. I and mean, we've had some kids do really, really well at them. Surprisingly well, you know. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's just something I kind of want to just throw out there. You yeah,
0: know? dude. Like, you're not too good for varsity. Like, you're really not. Like, like, any of these kids. Show up to a varsity race. Like, there are kids who could push Riley Amos here. He'd probably win. Oh, but, he would know, win. Like, but he'd, he'd win. But, like, any, anyone who's not him, dude, like like go watch a varsity Nike race sometime and tell me you're too good for it. Cause you're not like, uh, yeah, De- I hate that attitude. And I see that with people all the time. Like, I think unless you want to like be a professional cyclist, that's the only reason that I'd like overemphasize the national circuit. Cause that is probably what sponsors look at more, but unless you seriously want to derive your paycheck from, yeah, bike racing, not,
1: you're not getting, no one's going to sponsor you if which you're getting I would 20th
0: really never encourage anyone to do like that world will choose you if you're right for it. You know, focus on Nika.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, yeah. You just you pick your important events, and hopefully, by if you know if you do these things somewhat well, sometimes that that amazing fitness shows up on the day of your important race. Oh,
0: those it, are the, those are awesome. It's
1: awesome if it oh, doesn't.
0: It's only happened to me two or three times, but it's awesome when it does. So.
1: So the third step in, we we talked about this just a little bit earlier, is just like a transition or a break. Um, and these happen. So you're going to plan. So you plan when you want your a races to be, and we'll just say, it's kind of like, we're going to say nationals and Nike state champs. Okay. Yeah.
0: Those are the two big ones.
1: That's the first thing you're going to plan. Then you need to plan those long extended breaks after those. So, Ideally, you would want to plan your family vacation like right after nationals and another family vacation right after state championships. Um, if, you know, and I'm, again, I'm talking like in an ideal world. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of parents like to plan a two-week trip to Europe like...
0: A month before? A month before. It's like, and that's like... I- uh, like why are you paying tr- for a coach for your kid and then doing this? You yeah, know, it's like, always a little
1: tricky, you know. And I yeah. know that maybe cycling, the whole world shouldn't revolve around cycling, but if possible, it's yeah. I, it's ideal to plan your vacations after these a races because
0: because that's the perfect time. It's for perfect it, time, right? Yeah, I know that's that, when you should be going and sitting on a beach. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, so yeah, but these these mid season breaks and um, and these off season the off season at the end of the season are incredibly important in making the sport sustainable. You know, if you skip this, you're just going to be trying to push that really costly high end race fitness for too long. And it's just going to wear you down and,
0: and it's not going to be very good either.
1: Yeah. You're just going to start to suck. Like there so. is
0: no willpower solution to this. Like your body is only capable of being at its best. And you know, if your body's like, Oh, well I'm consistently pretty good all the time. Then you could be great. And you're leaving that on the table.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so after you kind of target your a events, you plan your, you plan some time off after them. And I think the ideal amount of time for most people, unless you've really, really been pushing over training a, a week and a half is a, is perfect. Like two weeks kind of starts to get a little bit long and you, it's kind of hard to get back into the groove of things and one week's probably not enough. So, but don't just push through them. No. You know, so, um, so you plan that next. Then the next thing you plan and we're all working backwards from those a target races, right? So, so that's about a week and a half back from, from your target races. Um, the the next thing you plan is, is your tapers and these happen, you know, this is just a a week before your, your a race where all you're doing is cutting back your volume a little bit, you know, maybe in half. Um, and this is just to gain some freshness and not lose all your fitness. So you plan in, you know, a week before your A race, you plan in a week where you're going to just cut back your volume just a little bit so you don't come overcooked to your, your big big race. That's, that's the fourth step. Um, the fifth step is planning your build period. And the build period, you're going to go, you're going to plan about six to eight weeks out from when your taper started. You're going to go six to eight weeks back and that's when you're going to start building in, in building what that is is that's when it's time to focus on workouts that are above the second threshold. So basically kind of the vo2 max, the really, really hard, the kind of three to five minute type efforts, that's when that's when those are beneficial. only like in you know, that's only like six to eight weeks before, you're a race
0: really start stepping into the pain cave, like getting out of volume mode and more into like suffer mode, you know?
1: And, and that time is important because like after a certain amount of time, you really kind of stop progressing there. You know, if you did that for 12 weeks, your 12th week, you probably wouldn't have been, wouldn't be any better than you were after eight weeks, you know? And if you kind of keep pushing and pushing beyond that, you kind of go into staleness and overtraining. So, um, And the interesting thing about this type of training is once you're over that second threshold, it really doesn't matter that much what exactly you're doing. It's just if you're, if you're pushing your limits basically and how much time you spend pushing them, you know, there's a million different ways to package it up. It's all about how much of your heart and soul you're putting into these really hard.
0: Don't overthink the specifics.
1: Yeah. Just. Just. Just go hard. Make it hard. You know, um, but yes. But during this, you know, during this build period, during the six to eight weeks before your taper, um, you're gonna want to have a hard time. Try trying it again. It. You're gonna want to break those up into there four week blocks. Okay, three to four week blocks. Um, and during these blocks, you're gonna want to focus on a certain type of workout. Okay, you're not just doing like random workouts or whatever you feel like that day, you're really going to want to focus on a certain type of workout during that block and get really, really good at doing that type of workout. And then at the end of the block, there's a recovery week that you need to take absolutely very seriously. Cause that's when you're going to actually get faster and, and make it so you can pile more training on.
0: Yeah. You like you, you like I, you like you'll be able to go harder if you do that. Yeah. If that's how you need to like sell it to yourself. You know, like I, like a lot of people who really want to go hard all the time are never going hard because like they're never rested enough. Their body's constantly in like survival mode. You know, if you really want to see what you can do, you have to rest before. Again, like no willpower way around that. It is a reality.
1: Yeah. And so after that block's done, you do another block where during the next block you'd work on a, a kind of a different duration of interval that you think is going to help you do well at your target event. You know, and you focus on that for four weeks and. And that's your focus uh, during a block. You can also maintain other assets, you know, um, but each block really should have like a, an asset you really, really want to focus on. That's going to benefit you in your target race. And one thing to point out, and we've talked about this a lot that, um, two above threshold workouts a week is ideal. You really don't need, don't do more than that. Um, more than that won't be better. So, um, then working backwards, again, from your target race, um, you know, your, your build is six to eight weeks from there. 10 week, about eight to 10 weeks before that, ideally, if you have enough time is kind of what we kind of consider when you're working on your base, your base training, or you're kind of focusing on that. Um, this is also broken up into four week blocks. And at the end of each block is as a rest week. And you know during each block, you can kind of focus on different parts of your of your base type training. Now this type training typically, I think the focus should be below your second threshold. So kind of below work that's below your FTP. Um, initially, focusing on like a lot of zone two type work, and may, maybe I do during your first block, a lot of just zone two type work, taking a rest week. Then during your second block, you can start doing some sweet spot type work, you know, just two a week is all you need to do. And then, you know, if you can get a third block, just do some more sweet spot work two a week. Um, and again, the the fourth week is a recovery week.
0: Now, I, I am curious because we, we always joke like that. This is the zone two podcast. Um, and that we should call neighborhood like zone two racing or whatever, which is a plan. The fact that there's a team in the Valley called zone five racing. So that's really funny to a very small number of very nerdy people. But I am curious, you know, you're talking about like in the, in the kind of like earlier parts of the season, doing a lot of zone two work, like how do you progress that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And we've talked about it a lot. And I, I, I think I'm kind of changing a little bit how I feel about pacing zone two work and zone two rides, but
0: what do you mean by that?
1: So I, I think in the past I've kind of said that like a power meter is kind of the king way to to pace those rides. But you know, the more I've been doing it and the more I've been learning, I really think that the ultimate way to pace our zone two work is RPE.
0: But really quick, if you're new rate of perceived exertion, like how hard does it feel? Basically? Yeah. It's like a fancy dressed up way of saying, I don't know how hard is it?
1: Yeah. It, it, and, but I do think that the power meter needs to be nearby. So you can kind of fine tune check your, make Yeah. Sure you're not, you you know. can kind of fine tune that a little bit because, um, because really why I think the RPE is king when you're, so when you're doing zone two work, you don't want, like, you can't really do it. If you're doing it above zone two, you're not really training, you're not really getting any additional benefit.
0: It's basically, you've said before, like, you know, you're, you're paying more for the same sandwich, right? That's yeah. a really specific metaphor. But it would be like, you know, like, you're, you're getting the same product, but you're paying more for it. Like, there's no one would ever do that. No rational person would ever do that, right?
1: Yeah, and sometimes you're not, like, if if you're, going hard enough, you're not really doing zone two anymore. You're doing something completely different, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and so really going harder on zone two rides, isn't a shortcut, you know, really the only way you can really improve zone two. And we said this before, is just doing more of it. And Which cr-
0: sucks. Cause that's, I think almost everybody listening to this is the personality type where they'd rather hurt more and just get it done. Yeah. You know, but you can't,
1: but you do kind of reach a point where, you know, like, You know, the beginning of of your base period, you know, you might do an hour then do an hour and 15, then do an hour and 30 and kind of keep adding to it. But once you kind of reach a point where, you know, most of us like two to three hours is like the most we could do in a day.
0: Yeah. You know, just like practically, we're not all retired, you you know? know? (laughs) And and
1: so like once you kind of hit that two hour point where you really can't do more than that, like, are you going to get better? And and this is why I think that really RPE is kind of the king in pacing zone two workouts. Um, because if you were just going for a power target, you, you might just kind of keep that same power target all season long unless you recheck your FTP or something. But what happens if, if you're going based on RPE... You could, like, when you start out your base training, you know, for me, this is, for me, for instance, you know, this winter when I kind of started riding the trainer, um, after my break, like my, like when I was riding at what felt like a comfortable zone too, it was around 180 watts and that felt, it felt like I was exercising, but wasn't extremely uncomfortable, you know, um. Lately, you know, if, you know, a few months into the, into my base training, I will ride at that same amount of effort, like where it's only kind of slightly uncomfortable. Uh, or, I mean, it's not really uncomfortable at all, but I feel like I'm exercising. And, and now it's, it's like about 205 watts or 210 watts or something, you know? Yeah. And so, I guess if you're gauging them by RPE, it automatically, lets you progress them, and, and the other thing is, too, is, like, like, some days, like, you know, some days, if I'm gauging my, my zone two rides by, by RPE, some days, that might look like 170 watts, and other days, it might look like 200 watts, you know, Um, you know, you just kind of, like, some days, you're just able to produce more power than other days, you know, just depending on which is funny because i
0: I think a lot of people like well power is like the truest thing it's at the end of the day power dictates how fast you go but it's also like susceptible to how tired your legs are or you know if you're dehydrated or if you're feeling kind of sick like there's so many different things um you know that even and i think i think heart rate too like i i've been trying even like not just doing rp but like when I'm, I'm like, I, this ride needs to kind of be in this heart rate zone. If I start going above that, I'll bring it down, right? Because the other thing with power is it's just super inconsistent, you know? Like, when you have to get going after you've stopped at a red light, your power is going to be higher. Or when you're on shoreline and you got to get up from the switch back at the top of Dry Creek, like, your power is just going to have to be yeah. kind of higher, you know?
1: And I'll be honest. I really don't look at the heart rate a whole lot. But I think how power can be really, really useful in, in helping you pace zone two rides Is kind of having it be like an upper limit, maybe.
0: Yeah. Um, Like no matter how good you're feeling, probably don't go above X, right?
1: Yeah. You know, but but yeah, learning how to pace these with RP, I I I think it's really just kind of the kind of the king. But to really understand your RP, you have to be familiar with power too. So so you still need a power meter, but
0: yeah, still buy them. um, We're still in the pocket of big power meter. Go out and get one. But, um,
1: but yeah, then, then also during the base, this base period, um, we've, we talked just a couple podcasts back about sweet spot work. Great way to add some intensity during during the base season. It's going to get you like, like if you're doing sweet spot work, you show up to races, you're going to be fine. You know, you're not going to have the race of your life, but you're going to be fine. And again, with sweet spot work... Um, you know, and for those that missed that podcast or I think most people have heard of it, it's basically just operating just a little bit under your FTP and, um, and with this, this type of work, again, it's better to try and spend more time here rather than making your sweet spot higher. You know, that should just happen naturally as, as you get better, um, suffering more isn't suffering more in a shorter amount of time isn't a good shortcut
0: just in general like cycling is not i don't think cycling is a suffering competition like it's part of it and there, are and you know like we've seen people before where like they just will not allow themselves to be uncomfortable right but i think that's almost like a barrier to entry and then like once you're willing to like hurt and be uncomfortable and work physically i think that like I always kind of, like, judge myself, like, oh, I went this hard, and I hurt, like, this much in this race, and so I feel good about it, but, you know, like, I, I don't think that's, uh, and I think a lot of people kind of train that way, too, you know, and I think I may be just speaking to, like, myself and people who are like me, but that's really not it, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, like, are riding so hard that they never really allowed like, challenge themselves, because for me, like, I will go and ride really, really hard for an hour, the challenge for me is riding kind of hard for four you know and i never do that and so i'm never really pushing myself i'm i'm doing something that i feel like is hard but really isn't like challenging me or or, or forcing me to do something new and on the flip side i think maybe you're like i know i'll ride for s- 10 hours i'll never stop riding in- until i have to sleep but then like i'm trying to get you to do cross and it's like you know so i think i think maybe like especially if you've been doing this for a couple of years and you are kind of feeling like kind of at a plateau or you're not really progressing anymore, like really step back and think about what it would look like for you to genuinely go out of your comfort zone and maybe look at how that paints your training. Because I think a lot of people kind of fall into Dan's camp and I think a lot of people kind of fall into mine and like I've been making an effort to make my rides, like one of my goals this year was like make my average ride an hour longer and that was one of the best cycling goals I've ever done and I really saw like my fitness get better too, so really, and you know what, this is maybe the benefit of a coach right here is being able to step back and say like, Hey, what is my bias? You know, what, what stories am I telling myself that aren't true?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so just to kind of wrap things up as, as I was preparing for this, I thought, Oh man, I have this laid out so simply. And as I've been talking, I'm like,
0: wait, oh, it's, it's not simple. This, you
1: is, know. this is sounding kind of confusing. I think I'm, I don't know. Am I overcomplicating this? But But basically, you know, just to kind of sum things up, you just can't really expect to be your best all season long. You've got to kind of pick some priorities. And I think one priority needs to be a bigger priority than the other.
0: Learn how to let things go. Um,
1: And then you kind of work backwards from those priorities. And, And hopefully you can plan it so that you show up as close as possible with your best fitness on the days that you really, really want it. And, and know that like, you know, typically the, the higher, the intensity, the quicker that fitness comes and goes and your, your base and your sweet spot type work take a lot more time. So you need to give those things a lot more time. And you just, you start with that date, you plan in a, you plan in a taper you plan in a build, you plan in a base, and you just kind of work backwards from there, and um, so you're kind of spending the appropriate amount of time working on the appropriate assets that you're going to need to be awesome at the type of racing you choose to do, so, um, you know, a lot of it can kind of be common sense, and, and, and some of it can kind of be done on the fly if you've got a general idea of what time in the season you're at, and what you should be focusing on. Um, but again, if this is something you you'd like help with, we've got we've got some resources, you know. That um...
0: you know what, like I and I'm I might be offering your time here. Tell me if you we want me to cut this or whatever. Like a, a 15 minute phone call is enough to be like, okay, what are you looking to do? Okay, this should roughly look like this. Yeah, you um, know, or like like te- you know like Dan's put his phone number out there. If you're curious, text him. Be like, hey, you know what? I'm post-NICA and there's this gravel race out in Nevada that I really want to crush it at or something. You know, like it doesn't have to be, or you know what, like I want to get up Big Cottonwood Canyon in under an hour and I'm going to do it on this day. Like whatever it is, you know, like, like talking to somebody who's kind of been around the block and kind of knows how to do this. If you're new to it, if if you're, you know what, if you're like a a mom listening to this, who's kids riding with the team and you want to go do something and it's new, like talk to someone who's done it for like 15 minutes and they can give you 90% of what you need to know to... To, like, nail it. So, um, and I think, uh, you know, again, like, maybe that's the benefit of a coach. So, use good discernment, have intentionality, um, and then figure out what motivates you and, you know, achieve a goal every once in a while. Sounds good. Good stuff. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, heads up, hopefully, next week for the mandatory listen. We'll hopefully have groups and stuff ready to go. Uh, get registered. Come to the running group. Come to the Zwift on Wednesday. I'll pick a really fun one to do. And uh, we will talk to you guys then.